set up in here. The classrooms will be available for group study. There's marker boards and markers so that you can, for groups that need to work on things, you can do that too. Um, somebody mentioned to me last year about the bacon and said, did a bunch of football players show up? But we kept track and it was the women who ate all the bacon. So I just, it doesn't, I don't know what that means. But um, you can draw your own conclusions. Um, we also, also want to mention that today, uh, uh, there, we're having a little pastor appreciation thing. Thank you in advance. But, but also right after the service in the classroom over here, uh, for those that want to, uh, we're going to have a short prayer time for the, those that are going on the Arizona trip just to, to pray for them and uh, to, to lift them up before the Lord. All right. Then one last thing I need to mention, as you can see, we have uh, um, decorations up. I, I just really want to thank Robin Kilgore and the... Um, people that helped her to make this just look beautiful. You know, you walk in and you smell the tree. I love it. It just smells great and it looks great. So uh, thank you very much for that. All right. We are heading into the Christmas season, so we're switching. We're not going to do First John until we get back in January, but uh, I have a couple of things that I want to talk about, and, and today is kind of different from a lot. There's no outline. I know everybody's been looking at the, uh, the uh, sheet in the bulletin that says the message, and then it's just blank below that, and that's just if you want to take notes or if ideas pop in your head, which I want to encourage you, especially ideas and things like that, because we're going to talk about this. I'm talking about the best Christmas ever. And, I, and if you've ever had somebody ask you that, one time I was in, in this group thing, you know, group dynamics, and so they said, everybody tell what the best Christmas ever was. And, you know, group things like that, group dynamics, really help you see different people in the way they behave. Because some people go, oh yeah, and they just get ready to say, but some people are going, best in what way? Best gift? Best time? You know, but, but tell me the parameters and, and you can just see how people, because when you say what was your best, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a worry about what's the criteria. When you're young, presents are the criteria, right? That's all it is. I, 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 I think I shared this, but my, my family was a very, it was three boys, and my father and, and, and my mom, and um, the three boys were very competitive and our, our father was competitive. And every year we'd get a Christmas present for the whole family. Right? So one year, this is back in the 60s, we, it was one of those, it was a hockey game. And it had these things that would go in and out and, and, and the players would play like that. And for three nights before Christmas, my dad got out the hockey game and practiced. He would bank it, see where it went, do this, see what happened. Then he took the whole game apart put it back in the box, Christmas morning, whoa, this is awesome. We put it together, we're like, we gotta have a tournament. You know, right, that's how, if you're in a competitive family, you know the first thing you think of is let's make brackets and losers brackets and all that kind of stuff. So we gotta have a tournament. We need four people. Dad, please play with us. No, boys, that present's for you. I just bought that for you. Dad, please, 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 please play with us. Make it four. We won't, we will get, will you cut me slack? Yes. Yes, Dad, we'll cut you slack. We won't beat you too bad. Then he wiped the floor with us. And he just kept going, beginner's luck, I guess. <laughs> Boys, I don't know. You know, and we were just like, wow, Dad, you're awesome. You're unbelievable. And then finally, late Christmas day, my mom's like, that's it. Tell the boys, what? Tell them what you did. So they go, well, I practiced a little. 
so three weeks later, I go to a friend's house and he said, we got this cool new game. Really? It's a hockey game. Never heard of it. So when you're young, presents, that's the criteria for best Christmas, right? When you get older, oftentimes it's, it's special moments. You know, times when you just, you just, it's just is a great time with family or maybe your kids come from, in from out of town or maybe your kids are younger but they get something that they just love and they just go crazy for it. You know, we can all see the videos now of that, of that kind of stuff. Seeing your kids get excited, feelings of family and love, it just, that can be great. Christmas can be complex because all the shopping that needs to be done. I ran across someone the other day that said, I'm done. And I said, What? I don't even know what I'm getting for people yet. How can you be done? And they were like, doesn't everybody do it? I'm no, no, I mean, I'm not the, right, we're, yeah. Everybody, is everybody done here? Good, thank you. Because we're procrastinators, right? This is a church for procrastinators. We don't even start on time, right? So, so, so there's, there's shopping, and that can, that can get Christmas going, and then there's parties and, and after parties and family gatherings, and then, and then after family gatherings, you know, a lot of times there's therapy and there's economic uncertainty. This year, what would make it the best Christmas, and how would we know it's the best Christmas? What's the standard for the best Christmas? For us, the standard is Scripture. So we start with Scripture, right? And so we start with this idea. What is the basis of Christmas. What can we make it great? Our Christmas. And, and I want you, you know, really think about that for a second. What could make this Christmas great compared to all the other Christmases that you've had? And we start with Scripture. What does Scripture say? And we start with something very simple. We start with John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, all right? So now we have the basis. What happened? God did something. He gave. He gave, all right? Giving is what love does. For God so loved the world, he gave. The natural output of love is to give. And it tells us what God did. He gave. Giving is the heart of God. And I think people can, you know, this is, you know, this is that we were talking earlier. This is so familiar that we can miss something here. God is not a taker. He is a giver. He's not a taker. He's a giver. And, and I just want to let them know also that the iPad just crashed. So just so you keep up with me on that too. Here we go. The ancient world, what happened? All the gods were takers. They made man to serve their desire, even their sexual desires. I mean, you know, the story of Hercules. What is that story? Zeus came down to earth, cheated on his wife, Hera, had sex with another woman, gave birth to a son. And then, if you know the story, the rest of the time, Hera is trying to kill Hercules because she's so mad at Zeus. So half of Hercules' battles are against another god that's trying to kill him. And, and that's the way the gods were. They were takers, not givers. And here we have a God who is a giver. He creates, and he says, he says here, he says, it's, it's for you. For God so loved the world. In uh, James 1, 16 and 17, James 1 on the, sh on, the sh on the screen there, do not be deceived, my dear brothers. <clears throat> Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every gift, he gives. He gives gifts. 
And if we live this way, like in James chapter 1, we become thankful. One year, um, for uh, one of our anniversaries, 15 or 20, I can't remember the exact anniversary, my wife and I, we loved to ski. We, went to, we saved and saved and saved. We went to Colorado, and we skied in the Rockies. And I can remember one time going to the top, the very top of the mountain. And uh, you get up there, feel like you're on top of the world because it's one of the 14,000-foot mountains, and so all the other mountains are lower than you. And you just look out. And I remember sitting there going, God, thank you. This is beautiful. This is unbelievable. Thank you that I can be here to see this sight because it's a good gift from God. I remember thinking, I'm just so fortunate to be here at this moment and see this. Where did that mountain come from? Where did that snow come from? God created it. Not too long ago, we were vacationing on, at, at the ocean, and one day, and a, there was a, some sort of weather thing off the coast, so the waves were huge, and they just cut coming and coming, and we just stayed in the waves. It was the, what the, after, at the end of the day, I had bruises, and I was all beat up from all, all the waves and getting tossed by waves and trying to catch waves and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, this is awesome. This is beautiful. It's unbelievable. And it's like God's, you know, I'm sitting there and this wave takes me in. I'm like, that was great. I'm paddling back out. And God's like, oh yeah, well, I got another one. Here comes another one. And here comes another one. And here comes another one. And here comes another one because I love doing this. God owns this world. He owns the waves, the mountains, the sun, the sky. And it brings us to a point that I think is very important for us as we try to walk with Jesus Christ. You do not have to own stuff to enjoy. You think about that for a second. You don't have to own it to enjoy it because God's a giver. He's a giver, not a take. Generosity is continual and unceasing and unstoppable and creative. In Lamentations 3.3, it says they, and it's talking about God's mercy and grace, are new every morning. It's almost as if God is saying, did you like the sunrise yesterday? Here's another one food for your body. Here's air for your lungs. Here's light to see. Here's beauty to enjoy. Here's music for your ears, friends for your heart. Here's purpose for your life. All the time as God is giving, 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 he does it all day. And so now we're going to celebrate Christmas where God gave. He gave the best gift of all. He was excited. It could have been just, he sent his, you know, it's kind of like God says, we're going to do it quiet. We're going to do it out, out in the field. You know, we're going to do it in this little place where nobody would expect to see a child. And then God said, no, nah, bring the angels. Let's sing. Because he's so excited. You ever been really excited about a gift you were going to give? Really excited. So hard to keep it in. One time when I was a little kid, my dad, I, I saw that he had bought my mom some earrings. And he said, Robert, don't tell your mother. I'm so excited about this. This is something she's wanted for a long time. You know, and this happened, this happened. I was able to get it. And I was like, wow, my dad is so excited. And I can remember looking at my mom and saying, I know what you're getting for Christmas. And she's like, don't you tell me, Robert. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you wear it on your ears. I had the gift of confidentiality at that time. And when Jesus came, God was excited. But unfortunately, for people, and it can be the same today, we can look back and we can, we can, we can sometimes almost be condemning of the Jews and the, the people who saw and heard Jesus, but we would probably, we would be the same way, right? We would be the same way. They wanted a taker, not a giver. That's what they wanted. They wanted someone who was going to take charge, take power, take Roman lives, take political control. And so he had to educate his followers on why he came. He had to work with them on that. 
to keep them focused on the real reason. And he has to do it for us too. Why did he come to this earth? He's this great giver of gifts because he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be great givers, not great takers. And unfortunately, we tend to get that mixed up. And so God sent Jesus the best Christmas gift ever. And we have to remember, it's not how great things look. It's not the stuff we get. It's not the food we eat. It's not the moments we create or the feeling we experience. It is this. It is being filled up with the love of God so that we become conduits of his blessings to others around us, hurting people, hopeless people, helpless people. This is why I love the the Angel Tree program so much because those are hopeless, helpless people in a sense. They, they, They have very few options you know, we say it, I know, but some of those kids, these are the only Christmas gifts they're going to get. They got at least one parent in, in prison. Their life is spiraling out of control at a very young age. And through the prison fellowship ministry, there are people who are trying to step in and intervene and break the spiral. So we encourage you to be involved in that. That's why we love it. But even more than that, starting to notice the people around us. Starting to notice people. Starting to see the things we see all the time, but notice the people around us. Coworkers, fellow students. People that we see all the time that we so easily take for granted. Because that's what Jesus did. He noticed those people. He prayed for them. He helped them. He stopped. He worked with them. And if we do that, we can start to show compassion on a level we haven't shown before. Concrete, tangible, maybe even sometimes costly, and whether it's finances or time, costly ways of expressing the love of God. And if we did that, it would be the best Christmas ever. For each one of us, we're all going to go our separate ways in, 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 when it comes to Christmas. People have family, people have this, people have that, whatever it is. But this could be the best Christmas you ever had because it could be a kind of Christmas where we give to people who need it the most. We can do it. I want to encourage you in this. This is a very, this sermon is just simply about encouraging you to take active, concrete steps as an alternative to seeing more and wanting more and buying more and having more and shopping more and wrapping more and breaking more and getting disappointed more this insanity that our world calls the Christmas season. And in doing that, what happens is it causes us to reflect on what God has done for us and to act accordingly. So it's not just good for the person receiving the gift, it's good for us. In Acts 20, 35, Paul says this, he says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words that the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's not just better to give. It's not that you're supposed to give. It's not just that God wants you to give. Those are all true. But Jesus says it's, it's a blessing. You're giving a blessing and receiving a blessing because of that, because you can be a giver. So there's two ways to go through life. Two ways of doing things. Now, I'm going to do something here. When I was 
younger, I hated people that did this. And now that I'm older and, 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 and teaching, I can see sometimes the value of this. So we're dividing the room. And I know you're going to go, oh, this is going to be so corny. Dividing the room, that side, that side. This side, I just want you, just as a, just as a tool, hold out your hands like this. Just hold out your hands like this. Just open hands, right? This side, I want you to clench your hands like this. All right? Okay. Over here, what is your posture? Your posture is open. It's letting go. It's not clutching. It's not holding on. It's not grasping. It's not clinging. The life of the open hand, I call it. Whatever it is, it says, I let it go. Now keep moping for a minute. Let's go to this side. What is your posture? I want to smack somebody in the face right now. Right? You, you, there's just something about a close. And oh, no, no, please. Uh, some of you are actually looking at someone. You're thinking. All right. it, it's a holding on. It's a hanging on. It's a, it's a mine, mine, mine. All right, you can stop. One side says, I'm open. One thought says, my hands are ready to communicate caring. You know, may, maybe you're sitting next to someone you love and you just, just, what do you do? You pat them on the back. You rub their shoulder with your open hand. Maybe you wrap your arm around. Maybe you squeeze their leg. Maybe you're sitting next to someone you'd be interested in loving and you just want to, no. <laughs> Come and think of it. Don't do that. But with a closed fist, you, nobody pats. Well, my grandson sometimes pats me with a closed fist, but it's not a pat. Nobody pats with a closed fist. It's, it's a different posture. It's a di and, and these are two ways of living life. The life of the open hand. This is the way of Jesus. And the world knows this. I was reading not too long ago a study uh, on, on a journal that sometimes I read, and they were talking about high school students um, that were struggling reading below their grade level. And they divided them into two groups. With one group, they didn't really do much. With the other group, what they did is they assigned those kids to help elementary school kids with reading and math and science, just help them. They didn't do anything to help the high school kids read at a higher level or to work on their reading. They just told them, help these kids. And that study, what they found out over a long period of time, the kids who helped... They were less likely to drop out, less likely to get, uh, the girls were less likely to get pregnant in school. They were less likely to get involved and struggle with substance abuse. The group that they didn't do anything for, they just said, keep working at it. They were more likely in all those areas. Simply helping other people created better outcomes. They found over the long period of time, they were more likely to graduate. They were more likely to vote. They had higher esteem and they were above the national average in going and being successful in college. And so, parents, the best way to help your kids is to teach them to serve. That's what happened with those kids. They simply had them serve, and they had better outcomes. In overall life, things that wouldn't even be related, you wouldn't think. But it's because this is like gravity. It's a law that works. So Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive because he knew what he was talking about. He said, I made that law. Of course it's that way. Okay, now, maybe you've heard talks like this before. You know, I used to be a youth pastor. I know how youth people can be kind of manipulative and say, you got to be better. And everybody leaves going, I got to be better. And then they go out and real life kicks them in the face and the whole thing goes down the, down the toilet. Just, just totally forget about it. I know how that is. I'm that way. How do we change that? Look at this next verse that's coming up on your screen. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. 
by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. All right, so Paul's saying, the grace of God has got me to this point. It's because grace has a power. No, I worked harder than all of them. He's talking about other Christians. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What is Paul saying there? Paul's saying, you can't do it on your own. I can tell you to go out and be a servant. I can tell you to go out and serve people and help people and make it the best Christmas ever. But you know what? That'll wear off. Paul says there has to be another power that's involved here. And we all understand that it's this grace that God has for us. It is the Lord. It is God. It is the Holy Spirit working in our lives to change us. And the idea then becomes and this is where we get mixed up. Grace doesn't replace work. Grace empowers work. That's where the power is. If God is in it, then we can achieve lasting change and make lasting impact. You know, those, there's going to be a whole bunch of kids that are going to get a Christmas present, some who wouldn't get a Christmas present apart from people in this church that have bought them Christmas presents. And, you know, that can be nice and they can be happy, but that wears off. How does the lasting change happen? The lasting change happens because there's an organization that's involved that is trying to deal with those, those, those children on every level and their parents on every level of their life, material level, but also the spiritual level. Those kids get mentors. They get offered mentors. They get offered a week at camp to go to a, to go to a camp where they hear more about Jesus Christ. This is all a part of that. Just giving a gift doesn't necessarily accomplish anything. We have to be involved in something that God's involved in. And so now what happens? Giving a gift becomes a part of Jesus Christ working in these kids' lives. So grace does not replace work. It empowers it. If God is in it, lasting change can happen. So for many of us, you will find if you get involved in serving, it grows on you. It grows on you. You get more life by giving than, than by receiving. So, what if we decided to do that as a church? To find each one of us ways where we can impact people's lives in a tangible way. What could happen? God could create and accomplish great things. That's what he wants to do with us. To make it the best Christmas ever. So, so what can we do? First of all, you can pray. Start it with prayer. I, I would encourage you, if you go home today, maybe husband and wife, maybe if you're single, just go home today and just, just take a little time and say, God, okay, I want to do something this Christmas that will impact somebody's life. What can I do? What can I do? And then start brainstorming. But allow God to be in charge of the process. Now, if you're here, there are ways. Right after Christmas, we, we have our ministry to the homeless, the port ministry, where we feed them, stay up the night, and then breakfast in the morning. Some of you will be gone. Some of you will be here. It's a great way to serve. The angel tree, obviously, is a great way to serve. Helping with the party is a great way to serve. To help those kids have a, just a blast on a night and then give them presents. Um, the Arizona trip, you, maybe you can't go. Maybe you can give a little money. We're going to do almost what we're doing with angel tree here. We're going to do it with the Navajos on the Navajo reservation. But even that, go, go on a, an adventure of compassion. Plan ahead for God to lead you to people. Maybe buy a couple of gift cards, buy a couple of Starbucks cards, something like that, where if a situation arises, you give somebody just a, just a, five, just five, a $5 gift card. Say, I just want to give that to you. Be thinking as you go to a grocery store, 
You know, if there's somebody who you think, man, maybe pay their grocery bill. I, I, I stopped a couple years ago. We were on a trip, and I stopped at the toll booth. And the toll lady said, the person up there paid for the next six people. I was like, what? You know, I did. I said, well, make it eight. Let's just extend this. Let's see how long this goes. I, was, I wanted to stay and say, how long before somebody actually has to pay? You know, just to see. Why? Because it, it's contagious. You, you, there's so many ways. Gift cards. Drinks. Carrying drinks. If somebody's, somebody's on a street corner, hand them a drink. There's all kinds of ways. Think about it. Pray about it. And see what God would have you do. Every, every, each one of us is different. Maybe have somebody over to your house that you wouldn't normally have over and stretch yourself a little bit and see what would happen. And then you will find out a truth that is as old as time. Apart from what you might get, apart from what you might experience, apart from the sights or the sounds, you could have the best Christmas ever because God so loved the world and it is more blessed to give than to receive. I was thinking about this. You know, have you ever, you ever heard the story of how they, they, people could catch monkeys? They, they put a banana in a jar, you know, and the monkey sticks his hand in, grabs it, and can't. I think that's a bunch of baloney, actually. I don't think any monkeys have ever, because monkeys are much smarter than that. But, you know, that whole idea, I think about that. You, you could say to that monkey, man, clutching that banana means slavery. It means you're going to be captured. It means you're going to be put in a cage. Freedom, joy, life. Small groups with other monkeys. That comes from letting go of the banana and letting your, letting your hand out. But monkeys really are too smart from that. There is one animal that that, that works on. Cats is, the I think, the one that works on. Um, I got that out of a study, out of the veterinarian journal. Um, and then people. It works on people. You know, you... you, you you take a drive around, there's a lot of monkey jars that people can get all wrapped up in. I think about scriptural examples of that. Mark 10, 17, a man approaches Jesus, and Jesus says, uh, maybe it's not on there, I'll read it to you. As Jesus started on his way, there it is, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at that man, and what happened? He says, I know what your monkey jar is. It's money. And it says the man walked away. He walked away sorrowful. The rich young ruler, it's the story of the rich young ruler. He walked away sad because he wasn't going to take his hand out of the jar. And this is not on your screen. I'm going to read you this. There's another scriptural example of a guy, Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, that wee little man? Zacchaeus, entered, uh, Jesus entered Jerusalem, Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Okay, that just clues you in on something right there. He's a chief tax collector, so he's in charge of a large area. So he is extremely hated. And his actions in this story show how much he's hated. He's climbing a tree. Why? Because he can't see. Why can't he see? Because he knows if he tries to push through the crowd, he might end up with a knife in his back because that had happened to some tax collectors in those days. So he climbed a tree because he was safer. And Jesus looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And people were muttering, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And at that party, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, the Levitical law is if you cheat somebody, you pay back double. He says, I'm doubling that. I'm I'm not just going by the law. I'm following the principle of grace. And Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to his house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This man had his hand in a jar and a miracle happened. He took it out. It's always a miracle when a hand comes out of a jar. He says, I'm giving, I'm giving back more than what I exploited. One time I was talking to our kids. We were talking about um, giving a Christmas present to someone else, uh, kind of like the angel tree thing. And uh, one of our kids, I'm not going to mention Derek's name, he... Um, he was our oldest, you know, and so he was the thinker and just really thought, thinking things through. And he, and he realized, okay, there's five kids here, but one present is going to some other kid. And so he said, can you not take my present for the kid? What? He said, whose present is that kid getting? And he thought it through. See, his hand was in the jar. He didn't want to give it up. He thought this was like the lottery or Hunger Games or something, right? My present, that's tribute. And I have nothing now, right? He, that's what he thought. And, and here's the thing. We have to understand, because he got one thing right. Giving, if you're really giving, costs. It costs. So we have to, it, it can be kind of scary. If you start saying, God, I want to be a giver this Christmas instead of a taker. I want to do something that will help people, that will change somebody's life. I want to do something that will make this the best Christmas ever. It doesn't, that on its it very premise is not easy. And so you have to say, God, give me a heart like yours. Help me see people the way you see people. If I want this to be the best Christmas ever, it has to work like that. I have to be willing. It can hurt. I would encourage you to be praying that today. Try to, every day of this week, God, give me your heart. Let me see someone, at least someone, the way you see them, not the way I see them. Make it your Advent prayer. And then as we all do this, We become like the church of the open hand, the church that's givers, not takers. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do it? And and I'm, you know, I'm 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 on it just like you are. I'm going to do this. We've started planning. What are we going to do this Christmas? What are we going to do this Christmas that's going to be different? That's going to impact? That's going to be a part? of loving people. What are we going to do? And as we do that, this could be, I'm excited. I'm really excited. This could be the best Christmas we've ever had. And, and, and that could be so cool. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you that um, you love us. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. It is a gift that is incomparable. It is a gift that is unbelievable. It's, just, it's so hard for us to wrap our mind around that. And yet, you did it. You sent your only son as a ransom for many. And as people who have heard that good news, a battle was fought for us. We didn't fight it. We only get the fruits, the victory. We thank you, God, 
that you love us that much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to take an offering. And uh, just saying, if, you, if you're a guest here, please don't feel pressured to give. This is what our regular attenders and our members do. As a part